just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Today on CityCast Salt Lake, I gave blood. It was painless. And while I was in the chair, I chatted up Mike Findlay, an employee with ARUP Laboratories, Salt Lake's local blood bank. Today's Tuesday, May 24th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Hello. I have enough iron. Good news. <laughs> okay, let me get set up here. Tascam, high end, look at that. I know. <laughs> I'm a paranormal investigator, so I'm like lots of you know, recording. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, so I have to squeeze this and hold it. Yep. Flex my veins. Okay. And then hold a fist for me. Okay. Kind of a light fist. Okay. A light fist. No vein. <laughs> I'm just seeing what I like, oh, okay. honestly. What made you decide to start giving blood? You know, so there was uh, a time back in the, was, this is probably 15 years ago, they were calling me and saying, hey, you're a match for a little one that's going in for a heart surgery over at Primary Children's Hospital. We oh, need. wow. And so I really took that to heart, you know, it's like, well, I need to go help out this patient. And so that's what got me in the door. Yeah. And like I said, I've just kind of been here since. I still donate, uh, but now I just kind of, you know, make those calls. Yeah. Time. Yeah. I'm thinking about like, so one of the reasons that I'm here donating today is that um, my understanding is that y'all really need blood around Memorial Day. Weekend. Absolutely. But why is that exactly? Well, as the weather gets warmer, more people are out on the road, people go out on vacations, more people go out and sometimes do foolish things. Um, school's out, so people have more open time through the summer. So the usage of the hospitals tends to go up. There's a lot more traumas, which is the sad part of it. Yeah. But it is a reality. And then there's also just more available, more surgeries just going on. Does that school. extend through the summer? It does, yeah. So it kind of picks up. We have kind of two seasons where it gets really busy. It gets really busy around the holidays, probably about mid-May. In fact, this year it actually started in like April and up through all the way through the summertime, it just gets crazy busy at the hospital. So the use goes up, which means the demand for blood is up and the demand, the need for donors goes up. At the same time, the challenge comes in that all of our donors are going on vacations and going on trips and they have stuff planned. And so it gets harder for us to keep up with those, those, well, that uh, makes sense. with those demands. Yeah. So you need people that are in town. We do. We really do. Yeah. He doesn't want you to scream on the microphone. I know. <laughs> I don't scream. I'm not no. afraid of needles. I actually went to a blood drive once uh, at a state. I'm not afraid yeah. of needles, but I, a lot of people are. Do you get donors that are like, I know this is important. I'm afraid of needles or. You know, that's one of, that's, that's a very common thing that we hear. Yeah. What I would recommend to folks is if they uh, are kind of nervous about needles, if they don't like needles, it's only a minor pinch. Yeah. I mean, you just got poked. 
Yeah. You know, and you're not screaming. Nope. I know. Nope. Oh, you lived. That's right. <laughs> so, I looked away. But uh, Connor said, look away, which yep. is a good bedside manner. And so you look at the, look at the end results of things. Why is it that people are donating? Mm -hmm. It's a minor bit of discomfort. Yeah. For, to save a lot. Right. You know, and it really does save lives. Does all of your blood get used? Like, are there instances where blood is? I don't know of any don't of any circumstances where we have not been not you've been using blood. Wow. Um, it's been a long time since we've been in a spot where we weren't desperately needing. People. Right. Uh, right now, the usage. Well, we get a report, right, and it tells us how many they've used and how many we've collected, and it's not even close. Uh, so they end up having to buy a lot from out of state and ship it in. Um, to just to try to keep up. You tell me what you need for me. Just keep squeezing. Um, keep you squeezing. just passed about halfway. I'm just going to give this to you now. This is your donation card. Okay, okay, so I want to talk about so, a little bit more about blood supply. Okay. So when there isn't enough blood, mm -hmm. they purchase it from out of state, but I feel like every state I've ever lived in, every blood bank is like, we need blood. That's the problem. Right. That's the, th the biggest thing. It started... Before uh, the COVID pandemic, things were kind of hitting us. Things were better, but actually going through the COVID pandemic, um, donations really, really dropped. Mm -hmm. And so since the, at least over the last couple of years, it's been, everybody's hurting. Yeah. And so when you have to buy, you know, try to scour all these different blood banks all across the country, hey, yeah. do you have any that you can spare that we can get from you? Yeah. It becomes a big challenge. Yeah. So it's just, it's just not a unique just to us. Right. This is being felt everywhere. Yeah. But the, the right now, the biggest need is O positive. Okay. They yeah. That does not catch up for the life of us on O positive studies. Is O positive rare? No, actually. So O positive is actually the most common blood type nationwide. About 38% of the population has O positive. Interesting. And, but what, if you think about it, people will say, oh, well, that just means that they don't need me as much because there's lots of people to draw from. Oh. What they don't realize is that means that there's that many more patients in the hospital that are O positive needing that blood. And so they actually go through that blood type the most. Yeah. Probably more than any other blood type. Huh. That's so interesting. What's the second best blood type? Second. Well, not the best. <laughs> Every blood type is great. So there's no best. <laughs> okay. I would just say more common or less common. So the next most common blood type is A positive. <gasps> That's me. Nationwide, you know, O positive is the most common in Utah. A positive has a slight edge just by a couple percentage points. It's because we're high achievers. I feel like I can never fully relax when someone takes my blood pressure because <laughs> I want to do a good job. So no, like, that's okay. I mean, relax in the sense it will of, be like, okay. you can yeah. bend your arm a little oh, bit. Okay. <laughs> it was something else I wanted to ask you, and then I can't remember because it'll come back around. Someone's draining my blood. So, yeah, it's good. <laughs> What are the requirements for someone to donate? Like, is there an age requirement? You have to be a minimum of 16 years old. Okay. And that's with a parent's note. Okay. Uh, 18 without a parent's note. Okay. There's no maximum age. There's a lot of people that say, I'm too old. There's no maximum age. As long as it's flowing, we'll take it. Sounds good. Okay. About how many people are coming through here every day to donate blood? Well, we need about 100 donors per day. Oh. Between our two okay. donor centers and our guys, we need about 100 people per day to keep up. Uh, how many people are coming through? We'll just say a lot less than that. Yeah. 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 It, it does vary depending on the day. If we can get blood drives at like high schools, that usually helps. Those are usually do a little bit better. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy how much is needed and how much people just don't realize. Yeah. Every time, almost every time I donate, I get asked if I'd be willing to donate platelets. Yeah. 
And I haven't made that commitment yet. And I know that I probably should. Tell okay. me about platelet donation. Platelets are a, uh, a different component in your blood. So most people, when they donate blood, they're donating what we call whole blood. Okay. And what we're after with that are your red blood cells for close. Okay. Okay. So with platelets, those are the cells in your blood responsible for clotting and for healing. They use those for victims of traumatic surgeries, any kind of a major organ surgery or transplant surgery. Okay. Cancer patients use a lot of those. Okay. So uh, what the process is, it's a little bit different. When you donate blood, you know, you're in the chair for maybe, you know, needles only in your arm, maybe five to eight minutes. Yep. Mine's about to come your, out. Uh, your whole donation process is about a half an hour in and out the door. So with platelets, so it, it takes anywhere between 80 minutes up to two hours. Okay. And that's because the blood, instead of collecting in a bag down on the side of the chair, like you, what just happened with your donation. Yeah. It actually goes into a machine that's next to you where it spins it in a little centrifuge, pulls out those platelets, and then returns the rest of your blood back to you. Then we'll pull out some more, spin it, send the rest back, pull out some more. And it keeps doing that until you get enough platelets to be a whole unit of platelets. Needles out. We did it. Good job. I didn't faint. I wish I could pull like a lone stitch and just two extra arms come out. I feel like that was quick. Is it, does it take everyone the same amount of time to donate? That's the range. Okay. ARUP needs 100 donors a day in order to meet the need at the U, a level one trauma center. When I asked Mikey how many individuals are in their entire donor base, like every list they've got, he told me about 5,000. And most of that 5,000, he said, are folks who gave once at a blood drive and never again. Given this immense need, federal regulations still prohibit gay and bisexual men from donating blood. I'm struggling to wrap my head around it. So I called up Emmer Efros, the executive director of the Utah AIDS Foundation. Emmer, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for being here. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate you taking the time to talk about this. I, I wonder if you could break down for me, what are the current blood donor restrictions prohibiting gay and bisexual men from, from donating blood at blood banks? So it is based off of identity, um, right? So it's, it's not like an inclusive thing. So anyone who goes in and selects that they're identifying as, as male and they're selecting that their partners are male as well. Um, and if they indicate that they've had sex in the past three months, uh, they would be uh, not allowed to donate blood. Why are these restrictions in place in the first place? Yeah, so really it goes back to the beginning of the HIV epidemic in the 80s. And so um, I will say before I give the explanation, in 2022, I will say, exist out of stigma and not updating uh, guidelines and um, not really looking at the science behind this. And so um, when we look at really where they came from, it's the beginning of the HIV epidemic in the 80s, where the testing of blood supplies wasn't really intensive, right? And so all the blood would, would kind of go together. There would be some tests. Um, nowadays, we have many tests, HIV being one of those tests. Um, that blood samples are tested for before they are able to be accepted for donation, um, kind of on the back end of things. Um, but that's where it started. There wasn't accurate tests. And so really, we didn't see a change in those guidelines until um, 2015. And in 2015, they changed the guidelines from a lifetime ban from gained bisexual men and other men who have sex with men donating um, blood to they could donate if they had not had sex 
in the past year, so 12 months. That one-year ban didn't make any sense, um, so kind of continued on. And then at the beginning of the pandemic, kind of we're seeing the shift where they changed it to three months. Um, and so um, three months, I think they are pretty, um, you know, they're focusing on the fact that a lot of the tests have that window period. However, the test that they're using for testing blood is often much better. You brought up stigma, and I think this has been understood. These parameters around giving have been understood by a lot of people for many years as being a public health issue. But it really sounds like discrimination when, to your point, it's about identity and not behavior. Is that how this issue is being addressed today is as an issue of discrimination? Obviously, these are federal requirements. And so um, I think in terms of pushback from a lot of community agencies like the Utah AIDS Foundation, for us, it is an issue um, of stigma and discrimination, right? Discrimination, um, it also kind of really stigmatizes HIV. It stigmatizes, obviously, the populations that we work with. Um, so for us, it very much it very much is. I think on the larger sense, uh, that's not necessarily how people look at it in terms of discrimination, um, because I think they're very easily persuaded and kind of thrown into this other side of looking at it from a lens of of safety. And that's what it's covered with. But um, yeah, not typically how we kind of would look at it. For us, it is very much a discrimination issue. I also have to imagine, like, if you're seeing all these calls to action everywhere that the blood banks are desperately in need of blood and you would like to participate and be in community in that way, but you can't because of your identity, like, there's got to be a real psychological and emotional toll as well for people. Right. I mean, I think we have made so many advances, but it's just one of the many, particularly in the medical community, barriers and um, kind of these these barriers that we put in front of people to make go out of our way to really make sure they know they're not welcome, right? And make sure that they know that there is something about them that is, quote unquote, not the norm, right? And so it is, it's really interesting the way it is uh, still put on and, and it's still kind of continued on. And people do have that, you know, I've talked to many people who also won't donate blood out of, um, you know, even if they meet the requirements, they won't simply out of just personal choice because of of the restrictions. And they feel like um, even though that they fit into the requirements because they're still stigmatizing and oftentimes archaic rules, they won't um, out of solidarity. And so, you know, the pandemic was a great uh, kind of highlight of like we need, we needed people to donate blood. And there's oftentimes these really big groups of individuals who would love to have participated and helped out, but were completely excluded. I've asked some local blood banks about this issue, and they've said this is really a federal issue. The FDA has set these guidelines, and it's the FDA that would need to repeal them. Is there anything currently being done federally? Like, are there, is there any optimism around this issue? And or is there anything that can be done locally to try and move that? Yeah, it, so it is correct. So it is 100% a federal um, uh, issue. And so I would say there is optimism in terms of it changing because I think we have come a long ways in terms of 2015, we saw the one year and just a few months ago or a few years ago now, we're seeing a shortened to three months. Um, and so I think we will see progress in terms of looking at it in terms of a behavioral questionnaire and and kind of excluding or including people based off of that. Um, 
And in terms of kind of locally, um, because I think it's such a federal thing, a lot of people haven't necessarily done. Of course, whenever there's anything to sign on and support or there's national uh, agencies that really work with the federal agencies to to update things, we will be able to participate. So there's a lot of providers here in Utah who work within HIV who oftentimes will give their opinion. Um, whenever there's open comment, UAF has um, signed on to some things in terms of offering our support and our opinion behind certain things. But so it is kind of much more of a, a kind of quieter uh, kind of effort. Um, but uh, it, I think I am hopeful. I think we'll definitely are on the verge of getting to a place where, um, you know, things will change. Emma, thank you so much for your time and for the work that you're doing at the Utah AIDS Foundation. I really appreciate it. No, thank you so much. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks to the very kind folks at ARUP and Sandy for your care and for the snacks. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around this city. Bye. Bye.